In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this Friday with two D's for a double dose of the True Life Podcast. I hope everybody's having a beautiful day. We're here with the one and only Adam Lopez, singer, songwriter, producer, performer, cool individual, friend of mine, lifelong friend, Adam Lopez. There goes the neighborhood, my friend. (laughs) What's up, George? Dude, just stoked to be here, man. Where are you coming to? Where, Where are you at these days? Uh, I'm all over the place right now. I'm in Oceanside, California. Nice. Nice. Oh, no, no, no. I take that back. I'm in Carlsbad. What am I saying? Okay. I'm in Carlsbad. Yeah. I was in Oceanside this morning. Nice, man. Stop off at uh at the uh gosh, I can't think of that little cafe I used to go to. Uh I forgot what it was called. Tons of little great places to eat over there and Oceanside. Yeah. It's, it's changed so much since we were kids. Yeah, a lot like a, a a big section of it around the pier has definitely changed. And then like the yeah. neighborhoods are still pretty much the same though, which is kind of cool. Yeah. You know, yeah. you gotta get back. I spent a lot of time. Yeah. You got to, man. What, uh, did you, are you playing any gigs over there in, 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 uh, Oceanside, San Diego area? I played a few with a friend's band, just sitting in playing guitar. Um, but, um, nothing on my own calendar really until um like in july but it's all so far it's all northern california yeah i i kind of have an affinity for northern california my wife was born in santa well she wasn't born in santa rosa but her family lives in santa rosa and i've been up there a bunch to visit it's so beautiful it's such a more mellow kickback part of california yeah it's um i feel like it's it's a different thing all together and i love it like i'm super uh super drawn to certain areas up there where like i feel like that's where i want to get old you know if i ever get old that that would be a cool place to do it (laughs) i don't think i'm gonna get old yeah 
Yeah, I heard if you never grow old, you never slow down. I think it was Tom Petty who said that. <laughs> yeah, or I just think of Jay Adams. Like you don't you don't stop skateboarding because you get old. You get old because you stop skateboarding. So <laughs> I'm on you know I'm on a pretty pretty beat up body, but I still feel good. I still skate almost every day. I'm surprised that you haven't mounted a, a tracker truck to your guitar. <laughs> <laughs> man. So what do you got a brand new album coming out, man? Or a new tour, right? Or is it both of them? Um, I've got a couple. I've got two albums that nobody's heard that I've recorded in the last like year. Mm. Um, and um, I put a couple of the the scratch tracks up on my website like last week so there's a few there's like three songs up there if people want to hear them but i've got two full records that are like i don't know it's probably two dozen songs maybe two different two dozen new songs that no one's heard and um i just started booking uh road dates starting like second week of july i've already got like three or four dates you know in, in, in the second week of July, I think. Um, but I don't really have any plan. Like, I don't have a goal or any plans or anything. I just started, you know, cause I kind of dipped out for a little bit and was just on vacation for like three years. <laughs> and then, um, I let a couple people know like, Hey, I think I want to go back to work. And, um, yeah, I mean, I've, as a side man and I've played a couple of solo gigs, but in the last, like, two months of, of, of kind of putting myself back, back out there. I've probably played like, I don't know, 20 gigs or something in the last like two months. What, like, what is it? Have you noticed a difference in the world of performing or songwriting or art since COVID happened to now? Uh, well, I guess the last time we talked, was like, it had, it had just become a real yeah. thing. Yeah. Like we were, we were in it, things were closed down, um, but it had just started. And so honestly, it doesn't really feel any different now. People, I think people are stoked just to be back able to do what they want to do. And there's no, there's no real hangups anymore. Like every once in a while I'll see or hear chatter in the background with somebody that's like, you know, a little cautious or or whatever but not so much like it shows you know um it's it pretty much just seems back to normal i think i think the, the the real difference is people are just like a little more grateful and a little more yeah. friendly you know they're having more fun yeah yeah i think it on some level i was kind of thinking like it 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 shaved off the callousness of being around all the time and it's not a really good way to put it but you know when you when you whenever you go into like a deprivation tank you come out and the colors are a little brighter the sounds a little crisper and it seems like we were cooped up for so long that you know the, the appreciation for music or live performance would be at more of a fever pitch and you know as, as i was thinking that as a consumer of of content I was just wondering, like, what about performing? Like, can you can you kind of see that in the crowds when you're performing? Um, yeah, I think you're right. Like, it's a little more. People are always having fun, but I feel like it's a little more relaxed fun in the sense that, like, 
there's just like that little reminder of of gratitude for for something that maybe you know we, some people might have taken for granted before or um or even to the to the point of of entitlement like they were owed the experience that they were used to having and and i don't necessarily disagree with that but like yeah that situation really i think just kind of helped people kind of get their uh their perspectives a little clearer on certain things yeah so this brings up an interesting idea when we think about perspectives like one of the things I admire a lot about you, Adam. I think you're a really cool person. I really admire your authenticity. I admire your creative ability. And I admire your fortitude to do what you love to do. And, and that's really inspiring to me. And I'm curious, as someone who has created for a long time, do you feel like the material, the content, and that which you're creating is maturing and changing now that you're a little bit older? Or like, how, how has that changed? Can you see your change in your music and what does that look like um it's definitely changing i think it's just evolving and and i'm getting better at realizing the the process of getting it from like an idea to actually being a song or a guitar part or whatever it is um i'm just getting better at translating those ideas. I don't think I've changed all that much mm. as far as the things that I've strived for and the type of person that I want to be. I'm just getting better at doing it because I've been practicing longer, you know? Yeah. I, so, I, 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 yeah. yeah. so yeah, like this, it's changed in the quality. I feel like mm -hmm. it's changed in the, um, like the, the, I'm better at communicating. So, yeah. So, you know, those things come across. I think they're, they're, they're just better all around, but, um, I don't think what I'm doing has changed so much. It's just becoming more clear. I like that. That's a good way to see it. When I was listening to you, uh, off of Tremont Street over there, and I was listening to the lyrics of that new song. No one die. No one dies of old age. What, what is the track? No one dies of old age anymore. Yes. Or, like that to me, is a song of someone who knows how to tell a story. And I don't think that we, as people, especially men, like we don't really know how to tell a story until we've lived a life that's full of a little bit of tragedy, a little bit of hope, a little bit of promise, a little bit of disappointment, a little bit of inspiration. But like right. I think that when I start to hear like the the new tracks come out, I'm like, oh shit, dude! Adam's Adam's fucking got this thing figured out, man. The stories are starting to be palpable. Like I can kind of see the stories taking place, man. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. That's not like I feel like that's not for me to decide. Like I can just do what I do, right? And when I feel it's ready to share, I share it, and then at that point it doesn't matter what i think of it anymore it's like it's it's not you know it's not for me once i set it free and so i'm glad that that's something that you yeah. get out of it and I, I hope other people do too because i feel like there's you know like um one, one of the things i've i've tried to work on is like none of my songs are about people 
specific experiences or like specific moments. They're like culminations of an idea. Mm-hmm. And then I know people and I've had multiple experiences that kind of fit that idea. And so those songs are like tapestries of all the different things that focus around whatever that idea or subject matter is. Um, but if they were so specific, then they would just be for me. And you wouldn't relate to it because you weren't there when that that thing happened to me or that person crossed my path. So hopefully they're, they're, uh, the material's more broad, you know, but mm. relatable. I hope. I don't know. No, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm always fascinated to talk to people and understand the way in which they create things. You know, I sometimes when I when I try to create content, whether it's a podcast or if I'm making like a, a video or something like that, I see it as a way, a similar way where I want the audience that's paying attention to be entertained in a way. But the only way I can do it is by trying to find things that I think are really cool and then putting them out there and hoping that that, that, that like whatever it grabbed in me grabs someone else. And so like when you said, when you, when you're creating sort of with a broad net and casting it out there, it's, it's an interesting way to look at it or, or the way I think the word you use was like a tapestry to find ways for people to identify with it. But it's, it's interesting because you have, you have a whole different mode of, you know, sometimes you're in a studio, sometimes you're in a live performance. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're writing a song based on this. Like I think that you have a bigger range of performing and that allows you to see different modalities like that. Does that sound accurate? Uh, yeah, I think so because, um, you know, there was a time where like I was just known as a guitar player for other people. Um, mm. And so that express like I expressed myself differently doing that than I would in like subject matter of writing a song that has lyrics. Um, so I think that I think it all kind of blends itself. All those different kind of areas of work that I've done or do kind of find their way into the songs that I write that I share with people, you know, I, I, yeah. it's all part of, it's all part of the recipe, I guess. Yeah. I like the idea of the recipe. Sometimes I, sometimes I see it as like playing all the positions on a team. Remember when you're little <laughs> and you would play soccer and you sometimes you play defense, sometimes you were a forward, but it just seems like in life, hopefully we all get to play. Hopefully we all have the courage to strike out and try different positions instead of just being relegated to the sweeper or just being relegated to a full stop, you know, or, or, you know, it's, it's good to do that. And you do get an interesting perspective, like seeing the crowd from a guitar player's point of view versus seeing the crowd from the writer's point of view or the drummer's point of view or the lead singer's point of view, you know, it's, it's interesting how those positions may seem similar if you're in the crowd, but if you're up on the stage, man, they're totally different. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like there's a, like in, uh, you know, most of my, most of my work is in just as strictly as a musician has been in like more country area of right. music. Um, and so like country bands, you got guitars and drums and fiddles and bass and steel guitars acoustic guitars, electric guitars. And um, there's definitely like the running jokes about certain instrument personality types. 
you know? I don't know. What are those? <laughs> I, I think that's probably that's probably going to get us in trouble. But um, <laughs> but it's funny because a lot of times it's true. You know, like you kind of you kind of you kind of start to recognize like it's it's not like all musicians are musicians. There's like personality types and you know different backgrounds that gravitate towards playing certain instruments. You know, I don't have any proof of it, but I feel like I've seen it plenty. I've worked with a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. You know? and, and as a, as a songwriter, as a songwriter, that's kind of my job is to be, uh, you know, is the study of people and, and their, their their surroundings. You know, so I think I have a I think I have an inclination towards doing that without even trying to do that, and just kind of people watching from afar. That's okay. You got to unpack that for me a little bit. Like, what, what, what does that mean? Like, I guess a songwriter is a storyteller. And as a storyteller, you got to be familiar with the lead character. You got to be familiar with stories and how to tell them and archetypes and people. So, yeah. Like, um, but it's like, um, I don't, I, you know, you also have to like be able to relate to people too. And, right. And that's probably the most difficult part for me um, is, is like being, I'm good at relating to you. I think I understand people very well, but I'm also like kind of introverted and, and I kind of don't put myself out there on like a personal social level with just anybody, but you have to, mm. you know, if you really want to, you can only understand or um, kind of observe only you can only observe and understand so much from afar like you really got to get in the mix you know that might be why a lot of, of my contemporaries or like the people that inspired me um, you know depended on substances to, to open them up yeah so, that makes a, that makes a lot of sense I could I could see that do you think that on some level, performing or writing those songs allows you to be the the extrovert like it allows you to participate instead of being introverted yeah it's 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 that or sometimes i feel like it's forced me to to step out of my shell and and my my fear or hesitance of doing that um was only outweighed by the love of making music, right? So, like, and also feeding myself. That's how, like, that's how I make a living. Yeah. Right. So, um, at some point, if I wanted to make a living doing something I loved, I had to, you know, there was a compromise that had to be made, and that was one of them. There's, there's probably a few compromises, but um, that was one of them. You know. There's something like so romantic to me about being able to make a living doing something you love. And I think it's, it's so powerful to me because for a long time in my life, I just, I caved into the idea that I, I had to do this thing to make money instead of doing something I loved and taking care of my, you know, for that right. way. But like, I see you as like, that's another reason why I hold you in such high regard is that you've always been able to follow these things you love man and it seems to me that with that sort of 
authenticity, with that sort of path comes a, a level of self-love that most people don't get, man. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a little easier now at this age to kind of like look back right. and, and see that. But at the time, you know, um, like I grew up in a shitty neighborhood around a bunch of shitty people. Like I figured like, what did I really have to lose by just mm. doing what I, I figured? Like if I was, if I was halfway intelligent and had a good work ethic, then why couldn't I put it to something I liked and still be at the level that I was like starting from at the very least. And, and you know, for, for whatever, like judgment I give to that situation as a kid, like, yeah, we survived. We're okay. I'm, a, you know, we made it out. So like, why couldn't I just take all the lessons that I learned about hard work and educating yourself and, you know, being self-aware and just apply it to something I liked. And I figured at the very least I could still live in the same neighborhood, but at least I wouldn't wake up at, you know, sunrise to go dig a ditch or whatever, else, you know, whatever, whatever job that, that was out there, you know, that, that would have kept me in the same place, you know? Yeah. I know that. I know that all too well, man. I, uh, it's, it seems to me too, the, uh, do you remember what your first sort of relationship with music was like? You know what I mean by that? Like, what was it that really, really grabbed you? Uh, as far as like, the like actual music itself like what music was it yeah start we can start um there. yeah i mean it was just like that early like 50s rock and roll chuck berry elvis buddy holly all that kind of stuff um little richard was a big one mm. um i always i always equate the first time i the first time i heard and saw little richard i got it was like the same it was the same feeling in my gut the first time I saw Playboy when I was like seven years old. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling. Like, this is amazing, but I don't think I'm supposed to be seeing this. <laughs> oh, and it's that beautiful. Was, that's what I. That's that's how I like. That's how I try to convey it to people. Like, because it's like getting shocked. You know, like yeah, it's like literally sticking your finger in a socket and getting zapped. Can you like when you, if you were to see a similar clip of him today, would would there still be reminiscence of that feeling? Oh yeah, like I still, you know, I'm a one of the things like when it comes to like the the more practical lessons of being like a professional musician, mm -hmm. uh, and people ask me questions about it all the time, and one of the things I I make them understand is like you really have to be a musicologist you got to know your shit. You got to know your history. Um, and so I still, I, you know, I practice what I preach. So I, I still go back and watch old videos and listen to old records. And I still hear things and see things that I, you know, that I didn't see the, the 20,000 other times I watched it or heard it. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of that, a lot of those feelings are still there. Like I, I can go, I can go back and, and taste them again for sure. 
Yeah, it seems sort of like a like a boxer would watch old tapes of like heavyweight fights to understand the techniques or understand the performance or understand the conditioning that the other person went through. It seems the same way anybody who's very, you know, I don't want to say religious, but someone who's very methodical about being a professional has to go back and learn the lessons from the past, right? I, I think so. I mean, yeah, there's plenty. There's plenty of kids right now, like on your Instagram and TikTok feeds, that like, as far as I'm concerned, they have no talent of anything except being popular on TikTok and, and Instagram. But that's just my opinion. And like, if, if they're feeding themselves and and they enjoy what they do, then you know, maybe my. I I certainly never think like in life in general. Uh, I, I don't believe that everything is like right or wrong and there's a right way to do things in a wrong like there's a bunch of ways to do things but for me I I to look myself in the mirror and be like you're a professional musician then I, I feel like I need to know my shit and if you ask me to teach you or give you advice I can only give you what I what what I know or what I what I feel like my my perspective on it right um, but I certainly don't think it's the only way by, by any means. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, maybe it's, maybe it's our age or maybe it's the, the system we grew up in or the elders we had around us, but the idea of professionalism, you know, like a lot of language seems to be, seems to be evolving in a way, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's yeah. because we grew up in the same neighborhood or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. But, um, it, and you know it's every, everything should be evolving and changing and growing. Right. So that and that doesn't mean we're gonna like it, right? So, of course not. Right. So so if we if if we feel like it's evolving in a, a, a incorrect way or a, a wrong way, right? That's not necessarily the truth. It's just that we're uncomfortable with it for whatever reason. Right. That's our hangup. Yeah. You know. So I, I don't. Like to answer your question, for me, yeah, I need to I need to be that guy that's a, a music nerd and knows his history and all that stuff because it makes me feel better about what I do and I feel that it makes me better at what I do, you know, regardless of how I feel about it, it just makes me a better musician. Um, and and I I have a skill set that um a lot of these young up and coming like starlets and want to be like, I don't mean want to be in a, in a, just, right. uh, it's a, pejorative. In a negative way. Yeah. I'm just saying like th their goal is to be a, a famous music star right. or whatever. Um, they can't walk into a studio session and sit down and cut a song that they've never heard before or, you know, necessarily write their own material or, there's a lot of things or get, you know, implement themselves into a, a five piece band that they've never played or rehearsed with and get on stage and perform for four hours and entertain a, a paying crowd. Like that's my skill set and I, I'm proud of it and I like it. I enjoy doing it. Um, but that those things that I used to define myself as a professional musician aren't the only things that define somebody else as a professional, you know? Sure. Yeah. You know, if, if, if we take that angle a little bit, it kind of does seem like there's a pattern of divorcing fame from talent in some ways, 
you know, and it, it oh, probably yeah. started happening before we were kids, but yeah, when it, I, I can see that pattern. I can see that pattern there. It's interesting to think about. Well, yeah, like that, that whole ideal is all over like country music. Most of, is it? most of our, most of our, um, it, it's all over pop music. Like all those acts in the fifties and sixties, very few of them wrote their own material. Right. Right. And the people, and the people that write the material generally make more of the money too. Um, so you've got these people that no one's ever heard of that are professional writers and musicians making more of the money than the people you see on your TV and, and nobody knows who they are. Same with studio musicians. Right. Now the you studio know, musicians yeah. don't necessarily make more of the money unless they're working. They make really good money while they're working, but it's not the type of money where like, it's not generational wealth. You know what I mean? You know, I don't think most people have any idea about this. Like I, the, the only way I know about it, I remember one of my mentors telling me that like, don't, he used to say, Hey George, don't be the guy in the flashy jacket. I'm like, what, what the hell does that mean? And he goes, well, Elton John, he wears a flashy jacket, but there's a guy that writes all this music for him. And that guy can run around. That guy can go do everything. And he has all the money. Elton John has the money, but he's also got the fame and the flashy jacket, so he's hindered in a lot of ways. But that was the first time I was started thinking like, oh, shit, I, I didn't realize that this performer is sort of like a puppet in a way. And there's this whole team of people behind him. You know, I guess in my limited view, I had always thought that, you know, a, a, the performer was the person who wrote the song, performed it, you know, did everything. But that's not the case, right? No, I mean, well, Elton, Elton does write his own music, but he doesn't write his own lyrics. And so because he writes his own music, he probably owns some of his publishing, I, I would assume. So okay. he's probably he's not a horrible example, but like the real example for most people is like Elvis. He never wrote a song that got published in his life. Right. Everything, everything he's saying that we know of was written by somebody else. And, and I could name their names, but they would just be sounds. They wouldn't be like, there's no faces to those names. There's very few, you know? So, yeah, there's, it's a, it's a, it, you know, business is business, but, but not all business is the same business. So the music business is very unique to itself. Yeah. Yeah, even even um, I kind of see the same thing with like the world we live in. With you know, if you look at the some of the the, the complaints of professional athletes, they say, "Look, our agents are like siphoning everything off. Our coaches are siphoning everything off. When we go out, we do all the work, and we get paid a little bit." And if you think about a performer in the music industry that's just going out and going on tour. You know, you, I shoot. I can even think of like Millie Vanilli. Like those guys didn't do anything. You know, they just went out there and lip synced everything. You know, but it's interesting to look behind the scenes and realize that whoa, these are a lot of cardboard cutouts. Yeah, I, and I don't know. Um, well, I guess I take that back. I do know a little bit about it, like my, present day, how that's how that looks. Okay. But um, it still it still exists. But, I mean, it's always, it's always kind of been that way pre, like, 1964. 
Hmm. Like all those all those artists, the the musicians on the records were not in the band or even the people in the band making the records a lot of times. There was studio musicians recorded those tracks. Um, and then the band went out and played them live, you know, they had to learn them and go out and play. Um, and so they're, you know, now in like kind of the modern age with like backing tracks and that kind of thing, I think the, the ability to have your cardboard cutouts that are also popular in the internet has actually increased quite a bit. So you've got really? people, you've got more Milli Vanillis that can hide behind a lot more technology mm. and still be basically, you know, they're, they're brands now. They're not artists. Mm. At least those, those types. There's plenty of legit, really talented artists making really good music out there that you're not going to hear or see on TV, you know, or hear on the radio. But, um, I feel like, yeah, the, the cardboard cutout, like that, that type of, of act could actually probably get a lot further these days with, with little effort. Man, that's, that kind of makes me sad a little bit. Cause I kind of, I, I kind of had was hoping that this, this new wave of the creator economy was, you know, allowing artists to shine through, but as I start well, looking through, yeah, what do you think? Well, I was gonna say, like, that's why, that's why, um, I'll just go back on the road because I can, I can draw a crowd on a street corner with an acoustic guitar yeah. and no, I, and I'm not hiding behind anything. And there's not, not even a, an amplifier or a microphone. Like, the, the people that you're talking about, they can't do that. Yeah. You know, they can't, um, like they can't, without all those things to hide behind, they can't feed themselves. Um, and so there's a couple things there. Like for me, like I take, I take a lot of those cues from like um, old blues artists from like the thirties and the twenties, where all they did was travel around their region or the, or the country with the guitar and a suitcase and they set up on street corners and that's how they made their living. And that was completely a legit way to survive, you know? And you gotta, you gotta be, you gotta be the real deal to do that. Um, those people, you know, eventually they made records, but they were doing that with no, there was no record to promote or no tour announcement. None of that. They were just out working, you know? And that's kind of where I'm going back to because partially because of what you're talking about is like all those, those, those other types, those cardboard cutout types in that, in this world of like digital music and internet and all this stuff. If I'm in that world with them, then I'm competing with them. Right. And my, my, the strengths of my skill set um, can't really compete with with or nor do i want to compete with them i don't want to spend more time getting better at editing videos on instagram or like it's just not it's, there's nothing wrong with it it's just not what i do um and even like recording records is like i've never made a good record because i just you know like i've made records of, with my songs that were good songs but i've never really made like a great record that that's um 
and that that I feel like is a real representation of what I do. Like I've never I've never accomplished that. And part of it is just because I don't really give a shit. Like <laughs> I made like I wanted to make good records with good songs and the playing was good and there you know, everything's in tune and it sounds good. And it's but a lot of them were done like really quick and fat like the whole process that somebody might spend a couple years on was done in a weekend and they're good products because I had talented people to work with and all this stuff. But like really what I was creating was like mementos, merch, things to people to take home, you know, as like a little token of an experience they had at a concert or whatever. Um, but I can honestly say like, I'm, I'm not ashamed of any of those records, but I've never made a great record that I'm, that I know I'm capable of making. Um, and part of the reason I just don't care is like I don't I don't feel like music I don't feel like any of my songs should ever be captured and then mm. become like the gospel like that's what that one song is supposed to sound like to me like that's I'd rather I, I get more out of playing it for you in person and creating it for like painting the picture while you're watching, as opposed to painting a picture at home and selling it to you. Um, if that makes any sense, because um, like the act of creating is what really kind of like does it for me. That's, that's what satisfies me. Um, so going back to like your first question, tell me about like what new record you tour, what's going on. Like I'm not really, trying to make a new record because i just don't i just don't care you know um you what i'd rather do is how about you just book me on a show and then you bring a recorder and you record your own record for yourself you can have it yeah you know <laughs> it's better yeah like i'm gonna play because i'm gonna play the same song that i that i played yesterday but it's gonna sound different today because i'm gonna play it different because i feel different Cause I'm a different person than I was yesterday. You know, I feel like I just don't, I don't want to record a song. It becomes the definitive version. And then I've got to play it that way all the time. Or like, if I don't play it correctly, then it's a failure, you know? Mm. Yeah. And that goes back that makes to sense. the whole, yeah, it goes back to the whole like thing. I don't think things are right or wrong or, you know, good or bad they just are what they are and so like i'd rather have a different experience every day than just try to recreate the same thing every day it, it reminds me of uh i heard a story once about um pictures and how i forgot i forgot where i read it or i heard it but there was people talking about like they hated pictures because it it gave if you took a picture of them and gave it to somebody, it was a perception of them that wasn't really them. And it kind of trapped them in this idea. And then now that image of them, which they may not even like is out there for everybody to hold on to and hold them up against, you know, and mm -hmm. I've never thought about it from that angle that you've said, but yeah, like the whole commercialization of, of anything we do is, but a pale, picture of who we really are it can only trap you in like a, a one-dimensional way right yeah I, I mean obviously that's not how i think 
um, about music in general. Because plenty of people have made plenty of records that I just, I can listen to every day for the rest of my life, you know? But for me, like right now, I just kind of like, I just like simplicity. And I like, I like the act of creating more than I, more than the stress of performing. Meaning that, Mm. meaning that like, I want to play for people. Um, I want to like give them something, but the idea of putting on a performance where like, it's gotta be tight and it's gotta be, it's gotta be practiced and rehearsed and it's gotta sound impeccable that I'm not interested in, you know, you're still going to get the best that I can give you at the moment I'm giving it to you. And after doing it for as long as I have and and I think being born with an inclination that I'm doing what I'm supposed to, what I was born to do, it's probably, I would hope you're still going to think it's pretty fucking good. <laughs> but, you know, like the whole, the whole, uh, uh, the whole way that records are made, especially now, those people took years or countless attempts over every little syllable they sang or every little note they played on their instrument to make it perfect the chances of them playing it perfect from start to finish in one try like most people don't have that skill you know and and it's not it's not the norm to make records that way anymore it used to be hmm. um, but now like people people can literally piece together their their song like drum hit by drum hit note by note syllable by syllable and technology allows them to to tweak it move it and push it and and massage it until it's like perfect on a grid and pitch perfect and you know i've had some some really good performances in my day that were better than any record i've ever made but I certainly like I'm not in that zone 24/7. So but I you know like I said even at my worst it's I like to think it's still pretty fucking good. Yeah. You know. But, but I that that's what interests me more than like trying to make the perfect record. I'd rather go out and just play for you every night in a on a street corner or in a in a comfortable venue or in your backyard or whatever in like share an experience with you as opposed to like recreate and then perform like this this scripted thing for you it almost it almost seems alien in a way when i when i think about the level of perfection that can be done like i never thought about it that way but if you really have a fine-tuned ear for something you could be like wow that's way too perfect it kind of sounds crappy because you know that it wasn't made authentically. You know that it was, okay, someone laid down one chord and they just hit the repeat button and, and layered it in there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, <laughs> I didn't even know that was really possible. But as you say it, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't they do that? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They do it all the time. And it's not, the- I don't think, I. you know, we have to wait another 
50 years, but I don't think anybody's going to be talking about any of the, those records in 50 years. Like, they, like we still talk about, you know, Sgt. Pepper and what, like, you know, Led Zeppelin three or like people just are just the, the stuff. A lot, not, and again, not all of it. I could, I could, I could direct you to people that I've worked with that I know personally that make fantastic music and it's real as it's real as anything. But I, I equate it, and I think we talked about this before. I equate it to like junk food, you know. Mm. It's not sustenance. It, it's gonna maybe keep you alive a, a li, you know, a little longer, but ultimately it's gonna destroy you. And 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 it's just not. It's not there for the long haul. Like it's not gonna. It's not gonna advance the progress of you as a as a person, you know. Yeah, it's processed. Here's a box. Here's a flashy label. Get out there, sell it, and try to put as little, little juice in there as possible, and sell as much of it as you can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and there's a there's like a a pretty well known clip of an interview with Frank Zappa um, talking about you know the the music business used to be run by people that love music. Yeah. And now the music business is just run by people that love money that are business people that just, you know, the music business is just another business to them. Yeah. And and like when I was a kid, I worked, I worked for a guy delivering office supplies and I'm like, why'd you choose office supplies? And he was like, well, you know, it's just, it's just business, you know, and I'd rather work for myself and sell office supplies then work for somebody else doing something I don't like, but at least like I'm, I have my own business and it's just business and that's fine when you're selling office supplies, but when you're selling somebody's heart and soul and their art, um, I don't think that's how it should be done. You know? Yeah. I, I think that that's a, a problem, not only in music, but in the world we live in today. And I think you can see the giant hole in our society when we have divorced you know everything meaningful and try to and try to put it into a, a a monetary package you know we've divorced thought from from morality we've divorced artwork from performance we've we've we've, we've packaged everything it seems in a way that can make the most amount of money and, and in doing so we, we've taken the the soul out of it in a way we feel, I feel like we've divorced our soul we've divorced meaning in some ways but I, I don't know is that is that too much to say I don't think so um, I mean that's the the problem with like most I feel like most of the world around us puts value on everything and everybody and most of the times when they do that, they're talking about monetary value. Yeah. Right. So, well, arts, you know, arts great and all, but it doesn't pay your bills and that's more important. Um, and, and then you don't, they don't think about the void in you, in the person or in the, the consciousness or the soul of somebody that art fulfills. They don't even, you know, they don't think, they don't think on that type of level. And I'm not saying that level's higher or better. It's just a different a different plane. 
But then everything becomes about a monetary value and you're putting it on people and you're putting it on art and you're putting it on, um, you know, that's why we put it on. That's why we have fast food is we put a monetary value on it. And so cheaper is better, right? It must be because right. it's cheaper. Um, you know, doing a job that, that, that adds to the bottom line, which is money, but destroys the earth or like destroys your soul while you're doing it. Um, you know, your art is great, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta do this because it pays more. And I just don't, I don't buy it. I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm, I refuse to take part in that. You know, I, I love like what you just said about, it's like a race to the bottom. We make everything cheaper. But if you, if you just stop for a minute and you go, why, why would I make my life cheaper? Why would I make what I'm doing cheaper? I should make it better, not cheaper. You know, and if, yeah. if you just step back from it, like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm going to make my life shittier. And I, you know, I've, I recently come to a spot in my life. I don't write, like I just walked away. Like I've been a UPS driver for like 26 years. I just got to a point where like, I can't fucking do this anymore. This sucks, man. I, I'm never home. My wife's doing everything. I don't see my kid. I fucking hate where I'm at. I fight all the time with the people who claim to be in charge because what they're doing is just trying to find ways to cheapen what I'm doing. They don't really give a shit about the service. All they care about is money. And so I, I made a pretty big decision in my life. Like, well, fuck it then. I'm not going to do it anymore. And I, for the first time in my life, you know, I really felt like, wow, I have been living a shitty life for a while. Guaranteed I did all right. I made some money and I did some things. But as soon as I started living a life that, worth living, I realized how much my relationships got better with my wife with my kid, the conversations we've had, the way I feel about myself, the way I interact with my friends. And it's like, whoa, just walking away from the idea of quantifying everything, just walking away from looking at everything as a number, you know, mm -hmm. you, you don't realize how immersed you are in the system that sees everything from a numeristic point of view. And when you do that, you, you on some level, you're reducing the human experience to a number. And it's so fucking narrow pointed when you do that, man. It's it's, yeah. it's so hard to be your authentic self when all you're looking at is a number. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm at a place right now where, like, lately I've been noticing it, like, just having a, like, for one, I'm not, I'm not too into small talk, you know, like, right. um, pleasantries and greetings and, and shit. That's cool, but like, much beyond that, it's like. I feel like you don't you're not valuing the person in front of you where you're you're talking about nothing just for the sake of talking because you can't handle the silence. Mm. And so one of the things I'm paying attention to more is like when people are talking, you know, what are they what are they talking about and what are they saying that like beyond just like the subject matter of whatever conversation you're having like did they just tell me what they like by telling me a negative like did they have to say something negative to say something positive hmm. um or how many times did like monetary values or how much money they saved or how much money they spent come up in a subject that has nothing to do with money Right. So like, I don't mind having financial conversations, 
but we're having we're bringing those things into conversations about totally different subjects and to me like that I, i'm not participating in that like to me that's like that's a that's a red flag of of what this conversation is probably going to become if i continue to let myself be part of it you know um there's uh like the mentality of of i guess like i've heard it i've heard it the term uh uses like poor people's mentality and mm. that even even people with millions of dollars have poor people mentality sometimes um which got me thinking like yeah that's that's the that's the person that's like got all these things but like is sick all the time and and unhappy and like the things are not they're not enjoyable because they're only pleasurable right like like Mm. scratching the itch of pleasure is not like real is not real joy you know it's 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 super limited it's it's super finite and when that doesn't work you're looking for the next thing and and that's you know i guess those are the types of things where like i just don't need to be having those conversations like if we're going to talk about finances because there's like an issue that we're trying to solve great but like if we're talking about like somebody we haven't you know a, a mutual friend we haven't seen in 20 years and one of the first things i hear is like oh he's done very well for himself made a made a million dollars last year i'm like okay great um how is he though is he happy is he healthy like you know what i mean and and i find i i've been running into a lot of those types of conversations coming at me lately and it's 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 sad to me but um i also know that like it's not my job to be sad for somebody that's that's their trip they're on their path they need you know they need to live their life and so the the lesson for me is like how do i still be cordial how do i still be friendly and how do i maintain my boundaries of like what's acceptable for me without being um rude or like dismissive of them Mm. you know what i mean i do i know exactly what you mean um i just feel like i just feel like we don't value because everything's including people are getting monetary values and we don't value them as people with feelings and emotions and traumas and like we're not really we're a lot of people are saying a lot of words but they're not really saying anything of value you know we're wasting a lot of time yeah i i like the metaphor of scratching the itch of you know the 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 pleasurable itch because it's so superficial a lot of the things that we have glammed onto you know these a lot of the modern ideas of what success is are underpinned by a monetary value. But it seems to me that the real wealth is in creating something. You know, there's a sort of spirituality that comes by giving birth to something you love that other people can enjoy. And that is not given the, the weight that it deserves, whether it's a piece of artwork 
whether it's a good conversation, whether it's a sitting in silence with somebody, you know, there's a lot of ways that the things that are really important cannot be monetized. I, I feel you, man. It's interesting. Yeah. And I, I, I'm hopeful though that like I, I see some cracks in the future. I, and I'm hopeful for, for the world that is emerging. Like, you know, and, and maybe this is just me wishful thinking, but with all like the shit that's going down, whether it's wars or the monetary system going down, I think that that is an old system dying. I think that the younger generation is coming up and being like, these ideals that we were living under are they just don't work. No one's happy. Our parents get divorced. There's all this abuse. Like, what are we doing? And I think that maybe that, you know, if we look at where we grew up and the, we look at some of the stuff that, that not just us, but all kids and all people coming up, I think that they got to see a life that's not working. And I like to think that we're working towards creating a better future. And whether it's, whether it's finding your way in music or finding your way in creating something that's your own, I think it's the path, man. Like what advice, like if there's kids coming up, what would you, what advice would you give to a younger version of yourself, Adam? Ooh. Um, well, I mean, everything you're saying, I like, I, that's, I see that as a potential for sure. Like that's well within our grasp, if not more, as far as like, rising to like a new level of consciousness yeah yes um, so that and i guess that's the message to the like younger me is like all of those little because i've been you know i've been i've been this way this kind of curious seeker i i guess i would say mm-hmm. since i was a little kid a little kid like five six years old like i knew like looking at the adults around me I knew that they were unhappy I knew that they didn't realize how unhappy they were and I knew that they thought that's what life was that's hmm. they they were they were content in their unhappiness because they just thought well that's that's what life is and so we we're we're doing we're actually doing okay because in this, in, if this is what life is supposed to be, then we're good at it. We're good at being unhappy, <laughs> you know. Um, and a lot of people are. A lot of people. That's disturbing. Just, like, they're very good at it. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um. And so, I guess, like, I guess the the, the path to educating myself. I've been on it for a long time consciously, like knowing, just knowing like internally in my gut that that there's more to it than this. And you, the generation that raised me, I don't have to accuse them of doing it wrong for me to change and do it the way I want to do it that I see as right. It's just, again, it's just the evolution, right? Like, I experienced what I experienced because that's what I needed to experience. But now that, you know, I'm, I'm an adult and I'm my own person with my own means of, like, providing for myself, I'm not reliant 
on other adults in the sense that I'm at their mercy. You know, we're all relying on each other because we're all from the same source and we're all connected for sure. But it's different when you're, you know, a 15 year old kid or whatever versus an adult that can provide for themselves. So um, I would tell that young me to like trust, trust their gut, um, continue to like look for the answers themselves instead of relying on other people, um, question everything, you know? Yeah. Or, um, and not, and not question it in the sense that like, you know, your parents would tell you, you don't question my word. Well, there's a difference between questioning their, their word or their authority and then questioning the lessons they're teaching you. You know, there's a, it's kind of, it's, it might be a little gray, but there's definitely like a difference. And so you should, you should question things that your gut tells you, you should question and you should find your own answers in your own path and like, and, and then trust in it, you know? Yeah. I like that. I, th- I think that that is something that everybody could do to find a more rewarding and authentic life is just to listen to that little voice that talks to you. Cause if you, I, f- I found out, man, that if, if you stop, if you don't listen to that voice, it stops talking to you, you know, or it gets real faint, man. But once you start listening to it, all of a sudden, you know, things get a little clearer. And if you, if you start listening to that voice, I think the world around you begins to open up, man. You know, there's this other, there's, there's this thing that's kind of been floating around my world, Adam, and it's this idea of generational trauma. Like I've been speaking to a lot of people about it and I've even seen it in my life where, you know, I, I've, I've found out, you know, a lot through a lot of giant mushroom trips for me. But like, I've, I've figured out that, you know, whatever, whatever battles I don't fix my kids going to have to fix them. And that's given me a lot of, a lot of courage and a lot of, you know, ability to face things that I normally would have just put off. And I don't know yeah. if it's part of being my age or may, maybe it's, you know, it's, it's just something that's happening to a lot of people around the world, but what's your take on generational trauma, man? And have you have found a way to navigate that in your life or do you even think it's a thing? No, no. I was just talking about this to a friend a week ago. It's um, out there, man. So, like, here's what I said to her. I said, you know, I don't believe in hereditary. Like, when people are, when people get sick or people um, get diagnosed or people turn to drugs and alcohol and they, and they write it off as hereditary, I don't buy it. Those traumas that cause those things do find their way into your being, your DNA, for sure. But hereditary really just means you were taught by the people that raised you, right? So those things, those things are lifestyle are the result result of lifestyles going back how, however many generations it took for it to implement itself in you. But none of us, I don't think any of us, maybe 0.001% of people at the most or whatever, might be where like there's literally a a freak of nature accident where this 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 strand of DNA came out flawed, but really like the universe and creation doesn't really make that many mistakes, right? So like if that's true, 
um, then all these things that we can dismiss as hereditary are really just what you were taught and what your parents were taught and what their parents were taught. Because um, you were raised by those people. Those people impose their will and their politics and their religion on you and what those things are, their, their definitions. Those people fed you the food that they ate, right? So like you're, you're obese and your parents are obese and so are your grandparents. That doesn't, you're, you're not doomed. It's not hereditary in the sense that it's in your genes and it's always going to be in your genes because that would imply that your your life has already been mapped out and, and written for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so hereditary is like, it, yeah, it, it's real. It exists, but you're not bound to it. So therefore, to me, it doesn't really exist. Right. So all the you're talking about like generational traumas. Well, um, I'm dealing with mine daily, moment by moment, breath by breath, for sure. Um, and every time I feel like uh, I've reached a new level of like consciousness, a new one emerges, you know, because I could it, it's been there all along. But be, at the right. level of consciousness I was at, I couldn't see it. Right. So these things, these things are going to maybe maybe one day I'll get to a point and they'll, they'll stop showing up. But my my if, if I had to guess, I would I would I would guess that they'll probably just always be there. And that's okay. They're supposed to be there. And, and I'm supposed to, to kind of wade through it and sort it out so that, you know, I, like, I don't have any biological kids, but I have lots of kids that I, I consider mine of, of varying ages. Like some of them are full blown adults, but I, they're my kids in, in the sense that it's my duty as, as like a fellow human to do my own work so that I can lead by example. And hopefully my example is better than the generation before me, you know? Yeah. I, I like that idea. I, I, I kind of see a similar, like I've been thinking about this idea of patterns for a while. Like we live our life according to a pattern. And it's really easy to stay in that pattern if you let it. It's really hard to break a pattern, whether it's a pattern of abuse, a pattern of drinking, or a pattern of living. You know, it doesn't have to be a negative pattern. It could be a positive pattern. But the longer you stay in that pattern, you know, the longer you become callous to what is possible. And if you just shift your pattern a little bit, the whole world can open up to you. And then, and maybe that's what we, when you talk about things not being hereditary or, or, you know, drinking being, being something that's a learned behavior or being obese is a learned behavior. You know, I, and I think that on some level, just getting out of your comfort zone can change that pattern for you, whether it's traveling, whether it's performing at a place when you're not, when you're scared to perform or whether it's just doing something that scares you, you know, and I, yeah. you know, it's, it's powerful to do that. And I think most people should be forced to do that in a way. And I know that, that sounds wrong, but maybe that's waking people up. I don't know. What do you think? Um, well, like with regards to like, just so we're clear, like the drinking and obesity thing being learned behavior, 
it, it most definitely can be hereditary in the sense that you are get, Drawn, you are right? handed that, and so you're going to be obese and you might be an alcoholic. All I'm saying is you're not you're not destined to die that way because it's hereditary, mm. right? So you can change. So hereditary is not like a a death sentence in some regard. I see. And then the, the flip side about patterns not having to be negative, um, you very well could become a person that is carrying on a learned pattern that's very much positive and good in the general sense, but is not positive or or contributing to you, the individual, in in the current life that you're living. Meaning that, like, you you may have been taught something that's become a pattern that you do on the daily or, or on the regular, that if you abandon it and started something else, it might that other thing might be even more beneficial for you, right? And for the life you're living. So therefore that positive thing could be could be a hindrance at a certain point because you're not it's taking up the time and energy that you could be spending doing something that you created that's better for you. Can you give me an example of something like that? Um This one might be uh This okay, yeah, yes, I can. Because I, the, 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 the premise you just set was leading me to a thought of one of the things I also don't believe in is daily routines. Okay. So I can, I, I can think of instances where being taught hard work and being reliable and being somebody that shows up not just on time but early, those are all positive things in like the big picture those are all good traits that you you should have but if the person that taught you them taught you them in the sense that it becomes a daily routine in the sense that you have to adhere to certain practices at certain times of the day every day Therefore, every day kind of starts the same way or, or is framed the same way with only a little deviation in between the, the tasks. Mm. Then I would, I would, for me, consider that not positive, mm. even though I'm doing positive mm. things. Because it's in, for me, I don't, I don't want to need to have to go through a routine to do positive things. Because if something happens... And I, my day doesn't look like yesterday because traffic or whatever set my course of the day off off the clock. Then yeah. a couple of a couple of things are are put into play that are now stressful and not positive. One, I I don't believe in the sense of time. Obviously, we need a clock to coordinate in and collaborate on things but like in the big sense time doesn't exist so now my routine is offset and i'm off the clock so to speak right and now i feel i feel bad and so now i've i've put into motion a whole chemical chain reaction in my gut and in my brain 
and my day has become harder to enjoy because I feel bad because I didn't do something that I'm, I'm supposed to do because that's what my daily routine says I'm supposed to do. And then that in turn makes it hard for me to be productive and reliable and, and self-aware and creative as opposed to I'm those things no matter what. And I can be those things without a routine to reel me in and keep me on track. Because if I get knocked off that track, then I'm floundering. But if I can wake up every day and be those things that I need to be without any kind of like structure and still get shit done and still feel good about myself, then what have I lost? I don't think I've lost anything. You know, if, if anything, if anything, I've gained freedom. And that's yeah. why I'm sitting here having this conversation with you. Yeah. And I've already booked some gigs and generated some cash flow on, on just a, a seemingly random schedule. But like, you know, I don't know if I can turn my camera around, but I'm looking at the, the ocean right now while I'm looking and talking it to you. It's sitting in the sun and, and I'm not behind a computer and it's not costing me anything except it would be costing me a whole lot if I was in an office behind my computer having to do the things that I need to do to generate income. Yeah, that's, I, I love it. I, I think that if people can begin to understand that time is something that's used to constrain us, not only in the way we live, but who we are, like it's this man-made limiting idea that puts us into a box and is, makes us controllable. It's like, you know, I, I've been thinking a lot about this idea of time, like, and how much better the world might be if we just broke all the clocks. I'm thinking about writing a science fiction novel. We just break all the clocks. You know what I mean? There you go. <laughs> I, I would read that because because the, the, like what you're saying I 100% agree with but also to add to what you're saying it also just doesn't exist it's made up right 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 so like which which I only say not to like not to disagree with you but actually to to bolster your claim like that further proves what you're saying is right in that it's used to something that doesn't exist is used to control us yeah but to me that's that's more powerful than just saying time is used to control us yeah you know so you know I, I only i only say that to 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 back you up yeah you know it there's something to be said about the eternal now like that's the only time that exists and if you look back at any history book you've ever written or ever, yeah, maybe if you look back at any history book that you've ever read, it's only the, an account of someone's opinion of what happened. You know, there's no true real history that happened. And so it's just an opinion of what happened. The only real right, or, only thing tangible is right now. Right. Okay. So early you asked me about perspectives and how, you, you know, the idea of them is interesting to you. Yeah. And what you're saying now about history being written, right? So I always think of it this way, like perspective really is 
both real to the person that has theirs, but unreal to other people to see that person's perspective. Meaning, like if I stand up right now on the earth, on my feet, there's not a single person that can get my perspective in that particular spot because only one person can stand in one spot at one time. So everything else might be close, but it's still a, a deviation away from that original perspective. Nobody can stand exactly where I'm standing and have the exact same perspective. They can stand next to me. They can even cr like kind of lean into me and get their eyes just below mine, but it's always a deviation from mine. It's never going to be the same one. It's impossible. And, and that's both the tragedy and beauty of life right there. Because no <laughs> yeah. one will ever see what you have and no one will ever see what you, you know, no one will ever see what you see and no one will ever see what you see. It's, it's at the same time, beautiful and tragic, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's it. And like, you know, you look at, at, at people that do podcasts and interviews like this and you go into the comment section, which you should never do, but you do it just because <laughs> you, because you can't, it's like, you can't help but look. And there's going to be the people that are like, this guy's full of shit. This guy's telling lies. This guy's, this guy's misleading people. But like the reality is, is like, I'm not doing any of that. I'm just like speaking from the place I'm standing. And I'm not telling you that I'm right and you're wrong or that my way is right and your way is wrong or any of that. You know, and there's a lot of people that do the same thing and get shit for it. But it's like, that's not the problem. You know, it's like the awareness of what is really happening versus what you think is happening. You know, that's, that's where maybe you're having some static. Because <laughs> yeah. I don't have any. And I don't have any with with you doing what you do. Yeah, this so this brings up another this brings up this I've been I've been reading a lot of a uh, this guy Marshall McLuhan who is like a philosopher in the 50s and he spoke about the different mediums in which we learn and he talked about how language specifically when we became more literate when books became when, when the the Gutenberg the printing press came to be it fundamentally changed the way we see the world and he talks about how you know reading a book and reading the letters on that book create this new thing of exact repeatability and like if you like it's a if, if, it's a crazy thing to think about but just think about the concept of exact repeatability like that takes away the images. It takes away the nuance. It takes away perspective. If I can give you a book and you can repeat exactly what I said, you can say the same words, but you can never say it in the same context. You can never say it in the same position. And like, you know, he just talks about how from that point forward, we just deviated off a of course because information and knowledge was never supposed to have the exact repeatability. It was supposed to be something that I told you and you mowed it over in your head and then you came up with an idea about it. And now we get into the concept of time. Now we get into the concept of, of the cardboard cutouts that we were talking earlier or the, the studio gangsters or the studio music and this, this pro, profound pornographic idea of exact repeatability. You know what I mean? It's like a virus in a way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so like that goes back to like my whole thing about just not 
not really giving a shit about recording records right. anymore. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like bring your own recorder to the show. And, I love it. And like if, if, if 20 people did that, those, they can't all put their recorder, their microphone in the same place. Right. They've got to put it where, where they're feeling it. Yeah. So 20 people are going to go home with 20 different sounding recordings and have 20 different experiences, but it's theirs and they captured it. So it's not my version that they're, that I made that they're buying and taking home. It's their version, which is kind of cool. Dude, that's fucking awesome. Are you kidding? Like, that runs counter to every other person's like, hey, I don't want any cameras in here. I don't want anybody recording stuff. You're like, no, no, bring your own shit. Make your own album. Like, yeah, that's so much that be better, right. Adam. Yeah, yeah, that's so much better. That's, 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 yeah. So the, my next album, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> right? Like, I don't, I don't know what it looks like or sounds like, or it, I don't even know what, what the title is. You're going to come up with your own. That's so much better. That is such a better way to, to, it just gives me a better feeling about the person that's creating it. Like it's, it's almost like you're co-creating with people. Okay. And, and I don't, I don't know if we talked about this last time, but like one of my like mottos is, 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 um, creation, not competition, right? Right. Or cooperation and not, not competition. And, and so that's like a life philosophy for me. So I don't, and, and the gist of it is I don't need to compete with you to, to get mine. Like we can both get ours. Yeah. There's enough to go around. So like, yeah, like if that's how I'm making records now is we're making them together. I think that's way cooler. And now, and, and so like, you know, one of the things that drives me crazy is like I'll walk into somebody's restaurant and they know who I am, or I'll walk into somebody's, um, you know, they're having an event and I'm I'm there as a as a attendee and not like a performer. And they they see you and they like they put on one of your your songs that's on a record or CD or on Spotify or something, and they think like they think you're gonna be stoked, and it's like yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of a cool nod, but it's also like. It kind of drives me crazy. Like, I don't want to hear it because I made it and I'm done. Like I'm on to the next thing. But if we're making records together where I'm just playing, I'm just doing what I do. And you're like, you're capturing it on a recording device. Cause that's what stokes you out. Actually, I do want to hear, I want to hear what your, <laughs> your version of like your version of it is that you enjoy. Like, I want to hear that. That's, that's way more interesting to me. Yeah, that is interesting. I, I, I heard, um, gosh, I forgot who it was, but there was an artist that came out and said, look, you can use any of my material, but if you make any money off it, like let's, let's, let's release it together. Like they, they kind of waived their copyrights a little bit and they were like, yeah, look, here, use all my stuff. Just put me in there. And you know, if you make over this amount, let me know. And I was like, what a, what a cool way to, to kind of re-release, you know, the creative spirit a little bit, you know, I, I don't yeah. know what it's interesting to think about. Yeah. And, and you know, that to me, like the things that I'm thinking about doing, um, let this helicopter go by <laughs> the ways that I'm starting to think about it. 
is is be, because of the the things that we have available to us which very often when we have conversations about technology and phones right. and the internet it's usually because it's created some kind of like chaos that's that we consider negative but we have these things so res resisting them is only going to make me sick and stressed but <laughs> if i can accept them and then put them to like to to use in a way that's like fulfilling and 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 productive like how do we do that and for me as a songwriter this might be this is one way i can think of that i can do that because everybody's got a, a a really good camera and music studio in their pocket now yeah you know so yeah otherwise i'm just being resistance to i'm resisting what is otherwise and that's that's not good for me no, I don't think it's good for anybody. The, the, you know, on some level, resistance can build muscle, but resistance to something that is, can be a resistance to something that can help you is sounds like getting old. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, they're 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 no different really at that point. Mm. You know, if it can help you and you're still resisting it, then like. Yeah, you're just you're you're still you're still basically doing the same thing of of not fulfilling or not um, giving nutrition to your soul, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think just having that concept of why am I resisting this thing that can help me? Like that's that's the world knocking on your door, like, hey, I'm trying to help you. Why are you resisting this? You know? And yeah. it just gets louder and louder until you do something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's Get, uh, going back to talking about those patterns and then you get stuck in those patterns and it gets it gets easier and easier to not provide nutrition for yourself right you know one of the things that like that i that i hear people talking about um is like the the idea um gee, i'm kind of losing my train of thought but like Forgot what I was gonna say or how I was gonna say it, but um, so with the patterns that people present for themselves. And... Oh, you're right, right. So you're right. So, so people get into these patterns, and they they continue to do things that are not contributing to their wellness. They might even be in the middle ground where it's not really harmful, but it's also not helping. But they're they're expending their their self on it, and so it's. I see the I see the 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 idea that we're we are confusing doing what's what feels right with we're doing what, what feels comfortable mm. and that's where that that song that started this whole thing off kind of is coming from right like it's it's we're not dying of old age we're dying of of self-imposed lifestyle choices and limitations and poisons you know and a lot of those poisons we create inside of us because our body and our our being is fighting back against you know lifestyle choices or thoughts you know negative thoughts can kill you eventually 
Yeah, I I, I would venture to say that that's what kills most people. Yeah, and that's what and that's what that song is really talking about. Like, we're creating these chemical poisons inside of us with how we're living and thinking and how we're how we're um, like our relationship with the world around us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it makes so, sense, man. That, that one little two and a half minute song that only has like two, a, a verse and a chorus, you know, it's like two paragraphs. That's, that's what we've been talking about for almost an hour and a half. But, <laughs> but it's not, we're not like, it's fulfilling. It's not small talk, you know? And that's, yeah. that's, that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at with things. You know, I, 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 I have more to give. So I, I, I want more around me too. Like I want more coming back. That's, that's fulfilling. Like I don't want to waste my time or my breath on things that aren't. Yeah. Meaning and purpose. And there's a saying that I, I've been hearing quite a bit and it says the, the deeper in you go, the bigger it gets, you know, and <laughs> it's kind of, I, kind of interesting to think about. Well, and you were, you know, when we were texting about this show, you were like, talking about living your authentic self and, yeah. and, and kind of just doing it on your own terms and not really giving a fuck about yeah. the, the, the ideas or the limitations that other people might impose on you doing, you know, living your life that way. Um, part of the reason I'm able to do that is because I can spend, I can spend quality time in silence with myself and if you can't do that it's really hard to do the other stuff you know i it's hard for me to do to sit in a room and do that because i feel like that's not natural it's much easier to sit by the beach and just sit in silence but you're still practicing you know you're still practicing something that i feel like for me, I need to practice that. And if I have to do it in a room with four walls and, and all the, all the distractions of, you know, comforts around me, like TVs and my phone, I can still, I can still turn those things off and just meditate. Like I'm pretty good at it. I can do it every day. And, and I'm not, I don't feel like I'm good at it in the sense that when I do it, it's always like at a high level, but I'm good at, good enough at it that I can do it every day. And that to me, that's more important. Yeah. I think it speaks volumes of being comfortable with who you are and the things that you've done because a lot of people, and you know what people at home or listening to this, you can try this, have a conversation with somebody and don't take the step when you're supposed to dance. You know what I mean by that? Like just, just pause in a conversation and watch how uncomfortable somebody gets. Like they will start, they'll start having anxiety a little bit. And they'll want to fill the air with conversation or words, even though you're just being quiet. And it's like yeah. little exercise like that. You're like, whoa, look how powerful silence is. Well, and not only that, but how valuable space is. Not every little space needs to be filled. You know, if you, if you don't believe me, come watch people drive in California where there's three lanes. And like people are trying to fill every hole with their car. <laughs> it's the same with words and same with thought. And it's the same with like um, relationships and presence around people. 
Mm. Like you can, you can tell the people that are the least conscious are the ones that talk the most a lot of times because mm. they can't, they can't stand the silence. Embrace it. And again, I'm not judging anybody. That's if that's, if that's how people are in that setting, that's great. But I'm probably going to, I'm probably not going to participate or I'm going to get up and go do something else. And that should be okay too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes, you know, isn't it interesting that we have somewhere along the lines decided that money is free speech. And if you're, Sometimes if yep. you fill things with words, so too do you fill things with money. You fill that void with money or or things, you know, like, look at this thing that I got. Well, that takes away that space. And now I don't have to worry about that because I'm this. It's it's interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or like um, I had a relationship with a like a but like the idea that because I have more money or I'm worth more money my voice holds more is more important than your voice my opinion matters more you know even even if the subject in which you're talking about that person has less experience and knowledge of they get to control that space more because they have more money and that's how that space becomes a, a toilet <laughs> you know <laughs> at least, yeah at least that's one way right? that's you know but uh that that is certainly a thing with with some people and i yeah know, whatever that, that's cool that's that's their they have a right to live and experience their own thing but i'm not going to participate and i have that yeah. right absolutely absolutely and i think that it's it's in rebellion to these ideas that we don't like where a lot of great art is created, you know, because there's some things that, and I think art or creativity is one of them that speaks louder than any one voice, you know, creating something is like a symphony that drowns out the mundane monotone voice of one loud voice. Does that kind of make sense? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, yeah. Yeah, I feel like you know, I feel like we've kind of we're we're on the same page. We're we're kind of saying the same thing at this point. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's it's, but it's it's real. It's it's that's that's those are the things that to me those things are real. That's what I'm seeing around me, and like those are the things that I'm trying to like learn how to coexist with and like get along with because even though I don't subscribe to those things, if being around those things or people that subscribe to those things brings out a reaction in me, even if I don't express it, if it's internal and it's a negative reaction, then it's, it's not them that are causing it. It's me. Mm. Right. Cause as far as I'm concerned, like nobody, nobody can make me feel or think a certain way. No one. That's my choice. Yeah. So, so if we're living in a world and, and 
that includes those other things that I that I don't have a taste for, I still have to learn how to like maintain who I am in the presence of it. And that's that's what I'm working on now. You know, that's my job for me. Yeah, one of the one of the most heart wrenching but also funniest statements I've ever heard is see what you made me do. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, no, yeah. I did. I didn't do that. But it's just someone blaming something, man. It's it's so funny to me and and sad because it's usually it's usually the sign before so there's some abuse that happens. But yep. I guess that's the 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 dark comedy that makes life worth living sometimes is found in those moments. But but I Adam mean, Lopez, yeah, we got. Yeah. I was going to say, but, I, you know, the, the flip side of that is I remember saying those things at some point in my life, too. And in that moment, I it was real to me because I felt it. Mm. Even though it, it, it wasn't real, it was real to me. And so that's where that's where coexisting and being empathetic are necessary. They're vital, but they're also really difficult because it's something you know one of the one of the 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 kisses of death i feel like as a human is to be like seeing is believing because mm. some of the shit you can't see but it's real and i know because i feel it you know so so yeah the, see what you made me do like now i'm like i'm detached from that but i yeah. try to be empathetic because i know what that feels like because i at some point have said those same words, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I, I've seen it as I've grown older and, and I like the idea of seeing because I think when you see people acting a certain way and you can recognize it, what you're really seeing is yourself and how you react because the only way you can recognize something in somebody else is because you've done it, whether it's a good thing or whether it's a bad thing. And if you can get to that point and see people as another version of yourself or as a mirror, as I like to say, hey, this person's showing me how ridiculous I am. Hey, this person's showing me some cool things about myself. Hey, this person's showing me, you know, what I could be like or what I used to be like. But if you can get to see the people and the environment around you as a as a mirror, it can really change your life, I think. Yeah, yeah, and... Like that's that's another one of those like things that I try to implement um, just like moment to moment. You know, there's a bunch of them. And, yeah. um, you know, the world around me is a mirror um, getting beyond things being good and bad or right or wrong or um, mm -hmm. just always being present. Like those are all just little reminders that I'm always constantly trying to 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 not just remind myself of, cause that's redundant to what I just said, but put into practice and that's, well put. you know, that's, that's work, but you know, what else am I going to do if, if not that, you know? Yeah. It, it's, I mean, I think those are good examples of trying to live a life worth living. It's so hard to be in the present because there's constantly things that are pulling us back and, trying to trap us in the past or make us worry about the future. But if you can just find those little totems that allow you to be here, whether it's seeing people as a mirror or, you know, 
finding a moment to laugh about the pure absurdity that you're even here right now. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's little things that you can do yeah. to bring you right back. Yeah. So, That's, I mean, I think we just solved the puzzle of life. Well, that's why that's why we have to have like these that. conversations, my friend. <laughs> Everybody, yeah. you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> right. But and that's that's again goes back to like the small talk thing. Like, think about how much time can be wasted talking about the weather that right. Like it's just it's silly. And there's nothing that's inherently wrong with it, but I'd rather be doing this. Yeah, me too. You know, like nothing you know. Like, and it's little things like that that can just drive you crazy. They won't ruin my day, but they'll still get me. And I'll just be like, ah. like, you know, you know, it's a hot one out today or something like that. Right. And that's like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Is it like, I, I, I think it's great. You think it's hot. I think it's great. I think it's perfect. So now what? Like, what are we talking about? We're not talking about anything, you know, like I'd rather do this. And, and so far we're an hour and 40 minutes in and that was, that other conversation was only like six seconds, but I'd rather spend an hour at 40 doing this than six seconds doing that. Cause this yeah. makes, this is way more rewarding. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that this is the, this is the antidote to that. And I want, I want more of it to happen. I, I and I think people are thirsty for it. You know, I think yeah. that, I do. I, I think that all these fillers are just ways for people to continue to live a life of depression or anxiety. And they're secretly, when someone says the weather's hot outside, I think they're desperately looking for communication. You know, and, if, and if you can see it from that angle, I think your answer to that is a great thing to say. Like, no, it's not. It's cold. Like almost shocking someone into an argumentation is better than just that. Yes. Just that small talk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's sure. not. <laughs> I mean, and I don't think that's the best, but it is. It's not. For sure. It's something. It's but, something. But, There's but emotion something. in it. But yeah, um, you made me think of something else too with what you just said. And again, I'm starting to lose my train of thought. But um, yeah, I don't. I don't remember what I was thinking. You you said something that sparked had sparked a thought, and I lost it. Uh, maybe it'll come back to me. Yeah. Well, here's a um. Here's a, here's a comment that our friend Sarah Ann put up. She's saying, let me see if I can put it up on the board here. Okay. So Sarah Ann says maybe they are trying to get out, but it's not so natural for them. And that could be it too. Not everybody has the ability to, maybe they're not, maybe they're really introverted. And the way they're trying to break the ice is just saying, hey, the weather's hot out there. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe we're being too hard yeah, on yeah. them, Adam. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to say it from a point of like judgment or like you're wrong. I'm right. I'm just saying like that's an example of 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 a way where like it sparks something that I have to work on. This it's not about them. I'm talking like the the judgmental part or like the the, the critiquing. I'm not critiquing them. I'm saying I'm what I'm saying is like that's a critique of my my weakness or like my lack. I'm lacking something that 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 is having trouble being empathetic to that. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's what I'm trying to get at. Is like, I'm not trying to dog that person. I'm saying like, I got some holes in my game, and that's one of them. Mm, right. Well, and so 
Sarah also says, look, I'm surrounded by negativity. And I, I think that if you are surrounded by negativity, you know, then you have to find, you have to be your own positivity at that point in time. And, you know, may, maybe that means getting yeah, outside and going for a walk or what do you think, Adam? That, what do you do? Me, with, like, what do you do if you're surrounded by negativity? Yeah, go ahead. I don't see that's 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 of the same conversation we were just having, but it's like it's it's the other side of it. Like somebody somebody small talking to me about the weather and me getting irritated. That's me. So similar but different. Being surrounded by negativity is like that's also me. I'm not surrounded by it. I I am it, and I need to change my thoughts. And I need to change my perception of what's around me, or I just need to remove myself from my environment. And that's the, and that's there's, a little like a... that truth is a little harder to swallow than the other one because it's taking responsibility for something that's kind of uncomfortable. But that's how I that's how I see it, and that's how I deal with it. So I'm not pointing the finger at Sarah, but like. If you're going to ask my version or my opinion of that, it's on me. Hmm. I've heard the quote before that like attracts like water seeks its own level. And that's, that's both good and bad. Cause if, if, if you are the reason or if you are attracting things in your life that are negative, then you could flip that switch and attract things in your life that are positive, right? It's just a matter of flipping the flipping one little angle on that. And maybe that's, you know, for me, when I have found myself in pretty negative spots in my life, you know, it's it's usually I'm either trapped in the past, which is I heard I heard this. I heard that the definition of depression is being trapped in the past and the definition of anxiety is being trapped in the future. And so when I, I find myself I surrounded. Yeah, well, it makes sense, right? Sorry. I mean, if, if you're either beating yourself up for the past and maybe this is part of it, Sarah, maybe you're beating yourself up or something you did in the past, or someone did to you in the past, or you're worried about what's going to happen in the future. But the truth is, you cannot control either one of those things. And I bet no matter where you are right now, if you're not getting punched in the face, or you know, you're know you not in the midst of a huge trauma, then right now, everything's okay. At this moment, everything's okay. And if you can begin there, you can begin to branch out after that. It's just a matter of recentering yourself on some level. but. Yeah, that, that's my version of it. And, you know, for for Sarah, maybe that's not like what she wants to hear. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, as an example, like maybe that's coming off as like pointing the finger or just not not a positive solution to a negative situation. But to me, that's how I see things. So, like, if I if I catch myself saying I'm surrounded by negativity, I'm not. I'm not trying to change what's around me. I'm trying to look inside and, and try to figure out why I see negativity. Because one, I don't, you know, is it negative or is it just how I see things? Because do we see things as they are? Or do we see things as we are? Mm. And I, I tend to think we see the world around us. Our perception of it is what our perception of ourselves. So if I think everything around me sucks, it's because I'm having an issue with myself. And sometimes, you know, I, I honestly believe 
that our biggest tragedies in life can become our greatest gifts. And that, I mean that because when, you, when you're surrounded by the worst things ever, like you have to find a way to get the fuck out of there. Like you have to find out what is it that's keeping me here. And usually that pit of self-loathing or whatever, you know, if, if you don't live there, you can find some real fertile soil there and be like, whoa, you know what? You know why I'm doing this? Because of this. And then you find out like, holy shit, I do do that. I need to stop doing that. But I think that our greatest tragedies, and maybe not at the moment, and it may take years to get through your greatest tragedies. And you may have to do, you know, seven grams of mushrooms to figure it out. But the truth is, you know, once you figure out what it is that you're, it's really dogging you, you can begin to overcome it. And it can even become the foundation for you to build a rocket ship on, a rocket ship on and explode out of there. But we have to have yeah. it, man. Yeah, I mean, if you're not learning anything while you're living, then what's the point? And so all those, yeah. If, and if you can kind of, to me, if I can get beyond positives and negatives as far as right. judging situations or people, then it's all, it's all what I choose it to be. It all has the potential to be a lesson, and it all, all has the potential to to turn into something that is like um, a source of energy for me, you know, positive energy, even yeah. the bad stuff. Yeah. So. yeah. Absolutely. Well, but, you know, that's, yeah. That's just me. What do I know? <laughs> Well, I think you know a lot, man. You're you're someone that I I look up to in a lot of ways, man. And I, you've always been an incredibly authentic person to me. And uh, I love the fact that we can be apart for so long, but our conversations always end up in a in an area like this that's fruitful and it's not superficial and it's deep and it's inspiring and fun. And you know, for those that are watching right now, check out uh check out Adam Lopez music, you know, because I think a lot of this conversation is what drives him and it's what goes into his artwork and uh i think it's awesome man so before i let you go though adam what where can people Thank find you. you man what do you got coming up uh yeah adam lopez music i have a calendar on there um there's a handful of like north norcal central california dates that just went up in the last like two days um after that i don't know like i'm i'm booking shows now pretty much every day they're coming up uh, after, you know, being kind of, like I said, kind of retired for a couple of years. So, um, because I'm just now kind of coming out of my cave, the, the, you know, the dates aren't piled on the calendar like they normally are. It takes, a, it takes a couple months to kind of get, to get them backlogged a little bit, but, um, yeah, I'll be like, I'll be in like Sacramento, Monterey, uh, kind of that zone, Santa Cruz in July. Um, and then after that, I don't know, I might, I've got a few offers to go like towards Texas, towards Colorado, kind of the usual, like my usual zone is like, is like the, uh, the, the diamond of like Colorado, Texas, and then Tennessee and California, you know, I've gone to other places quite a bit, but that's like the main zone. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty much changing like on the daily where people, you know, or inviting me back out. So yeah, the, man, that's awesome. The website, the website's the easy way to, to keep track of everything, but 
but Adam Lopez music is pretty much all the social media is too. Okay. Yeah, it's pretty much the same for everything. All right. Awesome. Well, hang on a second. I'm going to hang up with the audience, but I want to talk to you real briefly afterwards. And uh, awesome conversation, brother. I really appreciate it. To the folks listening out there, to Sarah, to Steve, to Johan, we love you guys, man. Thanks for participating in everything, and we will talk to you guys soon. Check out the links. Aloha. Peace. Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge, and I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now, and it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision and I hope you all conquer it and I want you to know it's possible take baby steps and move towards it and you will get closer to it your relationships will be better your life will be better and you know what you deserve it you're an amazing person if you get a moment go down to the show notes if you can support the show thank you so much for being here now let's get to it